It's the context of sound. Oh, I didn't turn my cell phone notifications off. Oops. <laughs> well, here we go. This is it. Hey. Yay. Yay. Um, I'm really excited about this week. This this week is going to be like just about the best week ever. Yeah. Um, for many, many reasons. Many, many, many reasons. Uh, A, we are freshly in to Black History Month. Yep. And we decided to do like a... We were going to do a couple of white dudes. We were going to do a couple of white dudes. We weren't really thinking. And then I was like... And then we realized how sick to death we were of white dudes. Here we are in the blackest month of the year aka the shortest month of mm-hmm. the year and we should just celebrate black music for it absolutely right? so that's what we're gonna do uh, we're gonna like talk about some like black musical pioneers up in this bitch yes and not only black but gay but yeah 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 and i'm excited because i think people don't know shit about gay history that's true that's even true. less about gay history than they do about black history. It's even, and especially like gay black history. Exactly. You know? And the crazy part is about the people that we're talking about today in general is that these motherfuckers are responsible for like basically everything that people listen do now. to nowadays. Yeah, they like, absolutely, literally. absolutely responsible for, yeah, the way... The way people consume music. I mean, dance music in general, like the entirety of it. Yeah. The entirety of it. And I'm talking... People that don't even realize that they're influenced by these dudes are, in fact, influenced by these dudes. Yeah, so like you're super homophobic, misogynistic, asshole fucking bros that party down. There would be no chain smokers. There would be no chain smokers. And I guess we can blame them for that. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) They're probably turning over in their grave just like, you goddamn cracker ass motherfuckers. (laughs) <laughs> so we're talking about Larry LeVan and Frankie Knuckles. Yes. Frankie and Larry. Frankie and Larry. And uh, many of you hopefully know who they are. Yes, they are God amongst men. They really are. And they if you don't, get well, tune in, get a, grab a cup of tea, sit put your the kettle ass on, down. sit your ass down, You're about cozy to get up. a story. A You're about to get story. Schooled. Yeah, these two dudes are responsible for laying the groundwork for... Uh, electronic music as we know of it uh, entirely. I mean, they're the Absolutely. godfathers and fathers of house and techno and all things, these things that kind of unfolded and became, you know, everything. You know, everything that people listen to now, you know, your your dubstep, your dub, your drum and bass, your deep house, your acid house, all that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even like now the current the music like, alternative R and B vibes, like especially Absolutely. the way music is mixed now. Yeah, um, they changed that. They literally. It's crazy because I was thinking about uh, earlier today that um, how crazy it would have been to like walk into the warehouse and like hear house music for the first time and be like. This is a brand new sound that I have never heard, you know? Yeah. Because it it didn't exist anywhere else. And, Mm -hmm. like, for people to be able to go to a location and, like, like walk into something and be like, holy fuck, like, this is this brand new sound that I've never heard before. How how do they do this? And then an entire movement is is born from that. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And, well, I mean, we're, 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 we digress. Yeah, we do. We do. We do consistently. We, I mean, it's um, pretty much before the... we get like fully, 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 fully <laughs> deep into this. Um, some housekeeping. Some maybe? housekeeping. Yeah. I mean, do we? I, <laughs> one thing I've noticed 
about our podcast is that um, we love to fucking sing over the shit that we're playing. That is true. Mm-hmm. And sometimes a girl is pitchy. Girl, sometimes I was, I caught some, <laughs> I was listening back to this last week and I was like, oh, she is all the way sharp. out. Just sharp. <laughs> <sighs> you know, when you have headphones on and the music's loud, you just can't hear it. And you know, you know when the spirit hits Ask you. Ask Mariah. Exactly. You know, if she can't do it, why should I? <laughs> um, but you know, we all, we did we covered um, we had a very political couple of weeks. We did <laughs> in every sense. Yes, it's been just crazy. It's been and crazy. Not that we want to just like move on with our lives, but for the sake to, of our own sanity, yeah. we're gonna keep it fun. We need to get into some joy. Yeah, we do. And this and, week is all about that. And this week is really all about it's that. All about that. Um, thank you for your emails. We got a couple of really nice emails from people, you know, just like saying how much they like love the show. I and know, like, we're just like so popular and stuff. It's thank just, you. Like, it's we are still <laughs> trying to get the fuck back on iTunes. You know, it's it's a battle, but I think we're ever closer it's to America. it. It's like, you know, we're doing... It's just they, they're out to get us, you know? <laughs> Uh, they want to silence our they voices. They want to silence our voices. It's it's too hot. It's too explicit. You know, we're too... It's too whatever. fire. It is. And anyways, but we're, we're, we're trying to get that. Hopefully we'll get that fucking figured out here soon. One thing later. I did want to, um, just because, you know, we're, we're a music podcast, like that's kind of what we do, is talk about the new edition story. Oh, yes. Which you have not I've watched not yet. I have not watched it yet, and I need to. It's so good. Everyone has been, I mean, like, everyone's been talking about it. I was so it. surprised. Yeah. Because, not because like BET, but because New Edition. TV. Well, <laughs> because like, I don't know why I just thought it would be kind of like a lifetime event. That's what, when I saw it, when I heard of it, I was like, is this really a story that needs to be told right now? And, and it apparently really was. it is. Yeah. yeah. It really, like, I got super emotional on, on yeah. the last episode. Um it's just like really well cast. Like I mean, there's definitely corny elements to it and it like ridiculous be, things. Yeah. Of course, it's BT. It's it's yeah, <laughs> and but they just did such a good job. And so shout outs to everyone involved. Oh yeah, I can't wait um, to watch it. Yeah, Luke James Killed was uh, yeah, mm-hmm. he was really good. And um, who else was in it? Wasn't the kid from uh, Empire in there mm-hmm. as well? Yeah, um, he was in it. There was like a bunch of dudes like that I've seen around and like yeah. different things, yeah. but aren't like super name recognizable yeah. yet. Yeah. But um, good yeah. movie, yeah, good job, guys. Yeah, if you so. haven't seen it and you have six hours to kill, mm-hmm. watch that. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the the Jackson Five like miniseries from the nineties that had no. um, Angela Bassett? What? Wait, have you never seen this? Oh no, the one with yes, I do remember this one. Yeah, I, of course. Yeah, and it had the kid who was the singing voice of Simba. Yes, um, playing little Michael. What's his name? Uh, I know. Uh, he can sing too. Uh, yeah, he's a really good singer. He's like, isn't he like, um, the kid from Smart Guy? He played. T- he played. Uh, no, not Taj Mari's older brother. Oh, he played Taj. Maori's older older brother. Oh, he did. Yeah, and I think he was also related to like, like Tevin Campbell or something like that. You when, would. <laughs> when I was like a baby, I was like, I still didn't really know what was going on, but I knew that I thought he was fine because <laughs> it was the nineties and people used to say fine. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh shit. Um, yeah, I think he was. A, I actually googled him recently too, and did? he's still pretty cute. Oh good. Yeah. Well, hey, black don't crack. But yeah, it's true. That is that is true. Um, but yeah, I mean the, yeah, I think that was him. I think that was, he was the one who played, who was a singing voice for Simba. 
He was. Yeah. Yeah. And he was, um, played baby Michael in the, in, I think it was called like the Jackson five, like an American, American dream. St- an American. Yeah, dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I remember that. And it was like five, six hours long. The really good scene. My favorite scene from that, that I recall is when Michael got in that, the accident where he lost, got, uh, those like third degree burns, yeah. the Pepsi shoot. Yeah, the Pepsi shoot. It was really well executed. Did it win any like any Emmys or anything like I, that? I, maybe. I hope I so. Know. But that was good. I mean, I haven't seen it in a long time. It could be trash, but I should revisit it. Yeah. If you have yeah. like Cody or whatever, just Something, Google just that. Find yeah, it. Just, yeah. Yeah. Have a good time. Um, okay. So, is that so, all of our housekeeping stuff? I think so, right? I don't think we have anything else to talk about. Oh yeah, I mean like websites and stuff like that. You'll get We're it when just you get like it. still trying to just just trying to function right now. I'm just trying to like get adjusted to like life in uh, Trump America. So don't press me about it. Yeah, we're busy. Website. I'm recording an album, um, a me album. I'm learning how to knit. I'm mm. looking at a new comforter right now. So we're busy. I'm busy. It's like my friend Didi says, "We're all busy, honey." <laughs> um. So. Larry Levan, for everyone that doesn't know, um, was he was essentially like the first superstar DJ. He mm-hmm. really was. Yeah, he was. Um, he is. Well, first of all, let me say that I have a Larry Levan tattoo on my body. So, like, I'm sure real is. hype about this. He's a fanboy. I'm a fanboy. I'm, I'm a motherfucking fanboy. I'm a motherfucking fanboy. I have this. Um, Keith Haring, you know, was friends with everybody in new york back in the day and Mm. drew this portrait of larry levan that i have tattooed on my arm um because larry to me and to many many others is like somewhat of a god absolutely he changed i mean like i'm not i'm i don't even know how to put the words together for like just how excited like when you hear larry levan track yeah you're just like holy shit like the mixing the best taste just the best just classy you know classy and really brought, um, like, the church into the club, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. You know, like, those kind of big, powerful. soulful, powerful vocals yeah. that were on your gospel and funk mm-hmm. records and your soul records mm-hmm. um, were now coming into the club. And It's so crazy when you think about just how, I mean, because because that kind of club, dance, house, kind of post-disco sound was such a, a like a black queer sound extremely for it uh and it to be like kind of rooted in club culture this like you know boozing drinking drugs sex mm-hmm. all these things but for religion to be or like religious sort of um lyrics to kind of be like fused throughout the whole thing you know like yeah well i think about it in terms of like when you're when you're a part of a community that feels like so rejected by religion yeah you know this was i mean they call they actually called saturday nights at the paradise garage saturday mass saturday mass and it was a religious experience for a lot of people and i actually just got goosebumps because i kind of did too (laughs) yeah i mean like it was it was a place for these people that like didn't belong in church that didn't fit there to like yeah to do get a spiritual experience experience. and it's also like you have the ability to kind of just dance in the face of all that shit that tells you that everything that you are isn't right you know in the 70s in the 80s in the reagan administration Mm -hmm. when people were dying of aids like literally being obliterated like an entire generation and completely completely ignored and ignored and yeah, I mean, the, the Reagan administration literally was like, we don't care about this. We don't know you. We don't see you. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's a that's that's another that's an entirely that's a different whole stuff. other issue. Whole other issue. Um, or is it though? No, not really. I um, mean, it, it was all a reaction to it. You know, it's 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 uh, it's it's crazy to see something or to think of something uh, so widely loved as you know dance music is now uh, being birthed out of a community that uh, was just being stifled just to be free at the time of its inception, you know? Like, yeah. And to have, like, in the face of EDM, in quotes, like, <laughs> <laughs> there's such little queer representation in it now. Oh, yeah. And it, I really want people to understand this is queer music. It just is. It's gay. <laughs> it's fucking gay. It's fucking gay. <laughs> So, I mean, Larry today, his influence, let me give you a little like a taste of, of, of some Larry Levant. I mean, he, he started out, I'm going to go back into like where he started out and, and what his deal was, but before he even became a DJ, um, well, he became a DJ and then he actually started to become a producer and a remixer because he wanted to hear more of what he wanted to hear in the club. And his stuff has been sampled, it's been rejigged and it's gone into like the fabric of, of dance music. Mm-hmm. Some th- some stuff you may have heard is it all over my face, the female version. This is a Larry Levan joint. This is his remix. This is a club staple. I mean yeah. also, you know we love a long ass intro. We do. And this episode is gonna be basically 75% intros, <laughs> just as a forewarning. Because <laughs> Uh, you know who else hey. loves the long intro? Larry Levain and Larry Frankie Levain. Knuckles. <laughs> I mean, kind of invented the long intro. <laughs> they did. <laughs> Pioneers in, in music. Hey. Continues. Just continue. And it's like. When does the vocal come in? Is it all over my face? Notoriously a janky vocal. Just I'm amazing. Love Is it all over my face? I'm in love dancing. Is it all over my face? You call me love dancing. Is it all over my face? Hey. I'm in love dancing. Also, another one of his most famous ever. Uh, remixes was Heartbeat by Tana Gardner who was a singer that she ended up singing on a bunch of like CNC Music Factory mm-hmm. stuff later Yeah, but she kind of came up in this group and this song you should remember even if you were born like five minutes ago Absolutely. as the Kamozi. it was Aini Kamozi, right? or was it um, yeah, it was on the hot stepper. Was that was Aini or was it Snow? I don't know that's a quick Google too I don't know a single word of that song either. I'm a lyrical gangster. Word am I? I'm not one of the gangsters. Word am I? Hop out of the papa skinda. Word am I? Keep on living like that. <laughs> oh no, we don't cry. Yes, we all reply. Anyone doesn't turn in that thing. Hey. Hey. 
year that this came out, this was like this was hot. This was people's like this is the jam. This is people's jam. This is like the kind like when this came out, and you're like, all right, it's time for me to get up out. I need to put my drink down. Put my drink down. Put my purse down. Put my purse down. Leave it with leave it with my homegirl. I'm about. I gotta go step real quick. Yeah, I gotta go drop it down. <laughs> Park my ass down by my ankles. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, that's so that's great. just a little taste of some of Larry. But um, uh, Larry was born in Brooklyn, New York. Duh. Duh. Like everybody. <laughs> I, I feel, feel like, like we, that's literally all we, that's all we talk about. about. Somebody born like I don't think we've covered a single person that's not from New York. <laughs> Yeah. I can't think of one. We probably have, but... I mean, every single person on... You know why? Because because in the 70s and 80s and 90s, New York fucking matted. They did. They, they it did. was... I mean, New York was the cultural center of the United States. It really was. Not not as much anymore. Yeah. Like, finally, L.A. is kind of, like, where it's people want It's crazy, wanna... because I think a lot of people don't, don't realize that, like, L.A. as, like, this, like, kind of cultural hub... Is a fairly new thing. Definitely. I mean, like, I mean, it Chicago, was always a movie place. Yeah, Chicago was the second largest city in America for the longest time, mm. and, and LA has kind of recently come into that, uh, that like status. But like, yeah, it was just known because it was in the movies, and it was the place that like was always depicted in film. But like, nobody lived here. Like Hollywood. I mean, yeah, it's crazy now. I mean, it was just a movie town. Yeah, it was just. A movie but now town. we have art galleries. And we still ain't got Fashion Week though. <laughs> well, there is one, but it's like the only we know about it. Only we know about it. <laughs> um, so yeah, Frankie. I mean, uh, Larry was was from New York. I think he was born in uh, he was born in 1954, Brooklyn, New York. And the interesting thing, also side side piece, side no, side <laughs> note, he was born with like a heart condition, mm-hmm. some kind of like arrhythmia, or it was a congenital heart condition, and he suffered from asthma, mm-hmm. you know, as a, as a kid. Um, he dropped out of high school, and like found success in Harlem's ball culture as a dressmaker. Oh wow! And also. Frankie Knuckles, who it, Frankie Knuckles and um, and Larry Levan became friends when they were when, they when were like Larry was fifteen. 15. Yeah, yeah. Super and young. so they, they were introduced by a drag queen named Gerald, who <laughs> yes. I feel like is kind of a legendary queen. Like I've heard about the name a drag queen named Gerald. Named Gerald. Um, That's a great name, Gerald. That's so strong. I mean, it's kind of Bob, it's, like Bob yeah, the drag queen. Yeah, but it's just a strong one, you know. It's a strong name. Yeah. Welcome to the stage. You think of Gerald. Levert. Gerald. Maybe that's where Gerald Levert got his name from. <laughs> highly, highly <laughs> unlikely. Um, so they were, yeah, they were like, they were, they, they came like up in the ballroom, besties, yeah. in the ballroom scene, making dresses for making these ridiculous dress. drag queens. Like, it's so funny too because they were both pretty understated dudes. You absolutely, they, like they were never like They're not flamboyant, super flamboyant dresses, dressers um, or like. You know, I would never imagine them like voguing down They're the passing queens. They have passing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, they, they could probably leave the city yeah. and be fine. Yeah, they steal your girl and your man too. <laughs> so um, yeah, they came up in that, and uh, Larry. Uh, there's a quote. So Nicky Siano was in the scene at the time, and mm-hmm. he was like a legendary DJ at the time too, who had his own club um, called the Gallery. It was like in 1973 when mm-hmm. you know disco was starting to pop off, and. La- Nicky Siano Nicky's still alive He's still around He still DJs He actually ca- DJed at 
a club called Ronda like a couple years ago, oh, and it was like a big deal. Yeah. Um, he, uh, so Larry was hanging around there. They dated for a while, mm-hmm. and he was working as a decorator in the club. Wasn't even DJing. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going to read this quote from Nikki. I met Larry in 1973. We had just opened the gallery. I'd already hired Frankie Knuckles. And the second week he said, look, I know this kid. He's a little bit crazy, but he's really great. And that was Larry. He didn't want to be a DJ at that point. He didn't even look at the turntables. Larry wanted to be a fashion designer. So Larry was my decorator for the first six to eight months. And he spiked the punch. That was his job. <laughs> Just put acid in the punch. Because <laughs> they didn't have a liquor license. No, they did not. They were a they members, juice bar. They were a juice bar and a yeah. members club. Man. And so, yeah, he would spike the punch. And um, he says, about a year into working for me, when we were closed, Larry said, can I try to play records a little bit? And that was the first time he showed any interest. That was around uh, in April 1974. That's so crazy. Once he met. Mike, who was the owner of the Paradise Garage, Mike was like, Larry's my DJ and I'm going to open a club for him. Mm -hmm. And so he did. And thus was the birth of the Paradise Garage. If you don't know what the Paradise Garage is. You're doing it wrong. It's it's the club that single-handedly changed the face of what a nightclub is. Every nightclub since is based on the Paradise Garage. Yep. It would like had the bangingest sound system. The most badass lights. The most badass lights. It was a full on experience. Yeah. And Larry was really the first DJ that started he said he wanted to come up with a music that never stopped. Yeah. And he was the one who sort of invented this musical journey that was a DJ set where he would play um, you know Disco records, mm-hmm. then uh, funk, gospel, mm-hmm. uh, soul, and then as the birth of hip hop came, he was yeah. started mixing in hip hop, British new wave, yep. um, electro, then the into house, yeah. techno. Yeah. I mean, and he would weave together these sets that people literally fan the fuck out over. I mean, when you think about the fact, like back then when it came to DJing, you did one thing and one thing only. It yeah. was like you played funk music, you played disco, you played whatever it was, but the idea of like i think in in people who are into to like into like dj culture or like you know dj mixes in general like that like you were just saying like taking you on that journey connecting the dots to be able to say you know this 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 can blend with this this mixes well with this and and really telling a story like, yeah that was a larry levon thing i mean absolutely like, through, through the way he could in a single track too do that you know yeah um it's it's a crazy thing because when you you hear just like the the you can you hear you feel a story in most of his music. Absolutely, in his, especially in his sets. Yeah, which you can find a lot. Of, there's a lot of bootleg. There's actually an official like five part vinyl series of one of his last DJ sets mm-hmm. that is just incredible. I mean, mixing in like Stevie Wonder with House, which is like relatively new at the time, mm-hmm. um, and being able to like the great thing about all of those things and being in 2017 is there's so many amazing mixes of like hymns that are on SoundCloud or yeah. on YouTube that you can find. YouTube. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's crazy. Cause you're just like these moments that in time that like this, it's a performance, a capture of a performance really that was never released anywhere. Yeah. And you can't find it anywhere. And it's like, yeah, it's, that's a beautiful thing about house music or not how well dance music and house music and DJ mixes in general mm-hmm. is like, you're able to build this experience that is very singular. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and but it would have been so challenging at the time. Because, absolutely. I mean, DJing now, like literally anybody can do anybody it. Anybody can. You get a fucking computer and click. And a YouTube you're tutorial. Exactly. Set, you know? But to to do what he did then. Like, I mean, he, like, so much skill. He was, like, slowing down records, you know, mixing acapellas over stuff live, beat matching stuff that had no business being together. Mm-hmm. He The way he, like, finessed records. And sometimes it was j- janky as fuck, too. Yeah. Like, I listened to some of his mixes and, yeah. you know, he's weaving in things that really have no business being side by side. And, you know, that took a lot of skill. Mm-hmm. Um, he also, the thing about Larry Levan and the Paradise Garage as a as a place is it had such a huge, huge impact and influence over Europe and the UK, which sort of Mm -hmm. then took the baton of dance music into the nineties. Yeah. Um, You know, there's actually a whole genre called um, garage music. Yeah. And well, actually in the UK, they say garage, garage, garage house, (laughs) speed garage, UK garage. Yeah. That all stems from Larry LeVan. Absolutely. He started um, that. I mean, like, gar- garage in general. Garage. Um, yeah, it got its birth in in New York clubs, and really, like you said, took took its hold there. It's nuts too, kind of the the way that like dance music came back to the states, just because it, I think it 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 grew out of this reaction to disco, uh, out of like a need to like kind of sustain that kind of vibe. Uh, but as people kind of were like, no, oh, no, I, I, you know, like, like we were talking about a couple of weeks ago with like the big disco burning event. Yeah. Um, and how like immediately after that, like these things start to pull together with, you know, pulling on influences from like early hip hop and, and disco and, and using electro, electro. like British, you know, like British pop and new wave. And that stuff did definitely influence these American guys yeah, absolutely. that were making... House. People forget that house is an American art form. Yeah, it it one hundred percent is an American, uh, and an African American sound. Exactly. Uh, so it's it, it's it's crazy because they 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 were able to um, capture this like really intense moment in like the late seventies, early eighties, and then kind of falter off in a weird way in the United States. But yeah. As it made its like migration over to to the UK and into Europe, where it just became like, it had a second life. It had a second, and actually, and yeah. arguably, like it's. I mean, that's where it really when it started to live. If you think about it, yeah. Um, cause well, it was, and that's where it spread. Yeah, and without people even realizing that it was Larry that was responsible for that. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of. Um, this is. I want to play this. It's a. It's a. Um, it's a snip of a bootleg tape from. Uh, the Paradise Garage, 1985, Larry LeVan, Larry LeVan mixing with a live PA from Jocelyn Brown, who was a wailing ass singer. Yes, yeah, she was. That was on a lot. I mean, it's she's still alive. <laughs> she still is. Um, and sang on a lot of house disco records. And this is fire. Uh. 
Mm. Oh, man. I feel the spirit. I do. You don't feel the spirit right I now. I just, honestly, there are fewer things, fewer oh. things more like pleasurable than hearing a black woman holler over more a pleasurable. track. It's just. It's crazy that like there's to a room such full of black, brown, white, everyone, gay men, everyone. and some a sprinkling of ladies too. Some sprinkling of ladies <laughs> too. I mean, it's crazy that like that sound is so vacant from like the dance music landscape now. It's crazy from music. Um, where are the singers? Where are the singers? At? Where uh, the singers at? To the front, please, please step up. I just I need some I need more people just I need like, more people that are ugly as fuck that can sing, sing the fuck in out my of, music. Yeah, that's it. That have some shit to talk about. Yeah. I mean like have some feelings, you know? Like you hear can her I you hear it? her voice and then you're just like You but you've been through some that's shit. Called a li- that's called a life. That's called a life. That's called a life right there. And that's called experience. That's called and experience. Character. That is that is that is like growth. That is mm-hmm. survival. Man, that's survival. That's exactly mm-hmm. what it is. That's some shit. and we need it. We do need that. God, oh Lord Jesus. I I just I just want to. I need another like. I need like a, ho- a solid just like deep house garage not garage night with where every single track is just some lady yelling on top of it. That's all I want. Mm-hmm. That's it. And a choir just punched in and out every once in a while. God, there's really nothing more than nothing like a choir in mm. a house track. Just isn't. I'm with you. Um, here's and that was and little... that was a Larry thing, you know. Like he made that a standard, you know. Yeah, he brought that to the people in, a, in a huge way. And um, this this is a, a little clip of a mix, but it starts out with some dudes talking about. The garage. No. It's just adorable. It's, okay. When I first walked in there, I heard that sound system. I gagged. That. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> hey. Opening up the set with uh, ESG, by the way. Oh, no way. Post punk ladies from Hell New York. Oh, yeah. That's Afro punk. Hey. So he was mixing in this stuff, yeah. too. I mean, oh, he was on it. I wish I was there, except, you know, I'd be dead for yeah, sure. Yeah, you and me both. I would, you and me both. All, yeah. Would have never made it out of the 80s in New York no City. No way. Like, not even a possibility. <laughs> <laughs> then he also did some more commercial stuff. Um, you know, people, he, he mainly started remixing for these two labels. They were West End Records. Um, they were a big, um, you know, disco and then became more like more involved in house, and then Sal Soul Records. And they Larry yeah. was kind of like their go-to um, mixer. remixer. But yeah, yeah um, he did a couple of really great Shaka Khan remixes. Oh my god, this <sighs> yes, version did. of this cloud, this song Clouds. Even like a lot of Shaka fans don't really even know this song. This is a Larry Levan. Oh, he had amazing ears. He did. He could hear anything.
Uh, that's the shit that makes me want to just end my life. You know, it's just like, why, why does <laughs> what anyone even try? Here? You know, exactly. <laughs> God. Um, See, that's what the world needs more of. Some more like just loud ass, just singing, singing and like with a crazy disco beat behind it and just everyone twirling around. I and, could not agree. You more. know, that just needs to happen more often in 2017. That's self care, right there, you guys. It is self care. You know, it is. It give really it, is. Give, give, give it a twirl or two. <laughs> and this motherfucking this track. motherfucker. This is lace. Can't play around. I mean, though, really though, like, why can't people sing anymore? I don't know. It's, I think it's because they didn't grow up in church. They didn't show. That's exactly what it is. You know, it's like us sacrifice. You know, it's, that's exactly it. You can't be You know what I think is a good alternative if people don't want their kids to go to church, like a black ass gospely church? What? We should just like start like a house music, like Sunday, like sing along, mm. like for people to bring their kids to. So oh they my can God. just listen to a bunch of people sc- like yelling over a track like that. I think that's just necessary. I feel like 50% of the reason why someone, why people go to church is for the community aspect of it. I mean, like, we're human beings. We, we love, I mean, we, we crave community. We crave, yeah. we're, we're tribal people. Uh, and that's, like, half of the, the power of it. But, like, it becomes far more powerful in that kind of, like, group singing. There's, like, countless, like, like you know, uh, what's what I'm looking for? Um sort of articles or studies there's countless studies that have been done that talk about like how um how human beings are so connected to group singing uh and and i think that's uh that's why people go to church i mean that's 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 you know say the ticket to church it's like this powerful communal like i like to go to church to feel judged though really that's my number one reason yeah because you know when you're getting judged you're doing it right exactly that's usually it you know (laughs) if you go to church it's like god look at all my haters like this is so great (laughs) um so anyway that's just a little taste of of some of larry's like magic i implore you to do your own investigation. Yeah. There's some great compilations even on, on iTunes and Spotify, but then you can go a little deeper into the crates and there's some just amazing mixes. He's very prolific. I mean, he yeah. did a lot. I mean, in his in his life. And he's got tons and, and tons then it of sort shit. of took um I mean it, it's not a happy ending really. No. I mean it's just not at all. It's um not. as the garage like soared in popularity throughout the mid '80s. Uh, a lot of Larry's friends, began, you know, were dying of AIDS, mm-hmm. which like plagued the community. I mean, especially in New York City. Yeah, 
and he started to become dependent on PCP and heroin. And he just sort of surrounded himself with this entourage. He had like, you know, this protective layer of friends and drag queens around Mm -hmm. him. Like people couldn't really access him at that point Mm. Um, because he was being worshipped like a god. (laughs) Yeah. So he had this certain type of fame. Yeah. It's like when people like, specifically when people are like in those kind of inebriated, impaired states, like in general and, and also too in that in that particular culture in that scene whereas you know i think any sort of like uh like people looked up to those kind of djs and those promoters and things like like in that particular culture like these were the the gods and the vanguards of culture vanguard absolutely uh, and yeah. they were admired as such and like i think that definitely aids in people kind of losing touch with reality and Obviously, also, like, feeling like they can actually connect with somebody when all they're just, like, you know, wanting to kiss the ground that they walk on. Mm. Yeah. It's a weird thing. It is. But then it started to sort of, as, you know, as he sort of fell into his addiction, um, his style sort of started to go out of style, you know, and people were like, oh, he's, you know, he's past it. And as house music started to take over, people wanted to just hear that. Mm -hmm. And his style was very like, you know, bringing in Chicago house, hip hop, soul, funk, doing this whole fabric. And people wanted to hear um, just idiosyncratic sets. Yeah. Cause he was, he was, he was an an electronic music DJ. Yeah. Whom did whatever. And in the sense that like you look, you think of someone like Nicholas Jar nowadays, like, takes a lot of cues in the ways in which he puts his sets together mm. um, from somebody like Larry because he just pulls on so many different things. Like, he's like, I'm going to, I'm a mixer at the end of the day. I'm not going to sit here and just play house music for you. I'm not just yeah. going to sit here and play techno for you. Uh, I'm going to do, I'm going to listen, I'm going to play you what I think sounds good. Yeah. And that's not popular. It never has. I mean, it, it's it goes in waves it of popularity. It comes in waves, yeah. You know? It's like even nowadays, like, you can't, but you, as a as a DJ, you're hard pressed to be able to find a location that's going to be like you know what play whatever you play want. whatever you want. No, it's like you're so you're so confined to like if you're playing like if you're a trap DJ like yeah. that's all you that's have all to play. Literally, I mean, I that's why I struggle to go to nights because I get so bored. Yeah, yeah, it, it's weird because people want to like. There's this strange thing that, that I'm hoping is starting to change, and and I feel like there's a shift. Uh, and and I feel that a lot here in L.A. because I think L.A. is a really uh, kind of growing underground music scene. Mm. Um, it, it's changed. I feel like it's been changing a bit since I moved here, uh, at least in, in my exposure to it. But um, where people are are wanting to have those moments where it's just like, I don't I'm not here just to listen to techno. I'm not here just to do this. I just want this DJ whom I know has a really great ear. Yeah. Uh, it should and, be an opportunity to learn. Yeah, absolutely. Instead of just like hearing shit. The thing about these DJs too is like the greats, people would go to hear what they were playing and they wouldn't tell you what it was. Exactly. They'd be like, get your fucking eyes off my record. Like, no, you, you couldn't go out and about. buy this yeah. shit. They were limited edition vinyl prints exactly. that these people went out and... And scoured, and the, scoured. the earth for. Not just that the, was the United job. States. That was their they job. They weren't just playing stuff that was on the radio or yeah. that you could go and stream on Spotify. Yeah. Um, and so many of these records still aren't even, 
you know, you can't find a lot of this stuff. They they only I feel like some so many of them were just like single pressings. And yeah. they're just like, Yep, I got this. I found this in a crate somewhere in in Rio, some like Afro Brazilian house. Absolutely. That, um, you know, had a limited release down here and Somebody will just find that and be playing it somewhere in a club. And, and if, yeah, well, I think of DJ, if you ever want to sort of, I feel like the DJ, the one DJ alive that really carries the torch of Larry and is what I imagine like a Larry set would have been like, or the same feeling is DJ Harvey. Yeah. And absolutely. he's a British guy. He's, he's sort of really seen as like, he's worshipped by, by a lot yeah, of people, by yeah. like real heads, like yeah. real house and disco heads. And if you ever get to see him play anywhere, do it. He's an incredible DJ. Yeah. And the crazy thing about so many of these like house pioneers, you know, like Farley Jackmaster Funk and different people like that, whom are still alive and still DJing. Um, yeah. they are, are legendary mm-hmm. and they have, when it comes down to like just the like the absolute skill that they have just to still play and put these sets together, it's mind blowing, man. Mm. And like they're still around, so like get get into it. You know what get I mean? into it. Get into it. So Larry started to he the club closed down in 1987. They did like a 48 hour like goodbye party, 48 hours in a row. I mean, you know they were lit. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, um, yeah. And they closed the club in 1987. It had a 10 year run, the Paradise Garage, which is a long time for a dance club, super long, especially back then. Like places were open for like three, four years max. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But then Larry, you know, began to sell his valuable records for drug money. And, um, Danny Crivet, who's also a legendary like DJ producer, um, he would buy, most of them. his records back for yeah. him out of sympathy. Yeah. Um, so he fell out of style as the nineties came around, there became Europe and the UK started to like pop off. Yeah. And they were like obsessed with Larry Levan. Mm-hmm. So they actually brought, and also in Japan, he was really big in Japan cause they have taste. They do. <laughs> um, so he, in 1991, he was brought over for the weekend to London by Justin Berkman, who was a DJ at um, London's Ministry of Sound. And he ended up staying three months, remixing, producing, and he actually helped tune the club's sound system. Like, this dude's ears were so... Spot on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he... Tuning a club sound system to get it to really pop off. Yeah. I mean, that's... He was there doing that. And that's a, another another side note... Let's talk about fucking oh my God, these sound, sound systems, systems nowadays. It's like an afterthought. Like nobody even gives a shit. No they one just think th- like putting up a fucking like two fucking sub like a subwoofer and yeah. two like twelves and that's like all you need. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? Like lose the fucking plush like booths yeah, and get, give get me a sound it. system. Put a fucking picnic table in there and spend all your money on like a rock solid sound system. Please. And some dope ass lights. Please. And like a quality DJ, put some hay down. And you will have, you will have, put some hay down. Shit, put some fucking hay down. And a bucket and behind a door for a bathroom. That's all I need. And just like keep the fucking jams coming. Yeah, sound systems. Uh, An afterthought is yeah. like is putting it exactly correct. And I that's mean, why I just want to shout out Chris Cruz. Yeah. Um, Spotlight because mm-hmm. he 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 knows a sound system. He does know that. He's sound a student system. of Larry too, and yeah. he um he really puts puts effort into his and you can tell because like when you walk into a place with a quality sound system where the 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 music and the levels are mixed properly like sorry i mean that's it yeah like that's a drug that's 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 all the drug that's all the drug you need yeah 
So now we're getting to the end of Larry's life. He actually died in 1992 on my birthday, November 8th. Oh, bummer. And um, he he got he was on tour in Japan and he had a mi- minor injury which put him in hospital because a he was a drug addict and he struggled with heart condition. Mm-hmm. Um, he came back to New York. He actually went to rehab for a while, um, and he died of endocarditis. Is that? Endocarditis. I think that's how you say it. Whatever it is, it sucks and it killed him. Mm -hmm. Um, 1992. Yeah. Um, So sad. He was only 38. Jesus. So young. Um, so, oh, I actually wanted to, one more thing wanted to play. I mean, there's so much I could play, honestly. Like, you have have, to, like, you have to play Stand on the Word. Oh, shit. Like you can't oh do my like God, a Larry Levon song with oh, track wow. without that. That's okay. like seminal Larry Levon. Wait, you're absolutely right. Oh, you're absolutely right. That is a janky ass choir. That's that like, is, but it's the best. It's this song. If you've not heard it before, is like this is my introduction to uh, Larry Levon, and it like blew my fucking mind. That's right, it's another long intro, but you know it. We're gonna sit here and you're gonna listen to this shit. like for the congregation of the First Baptist Church in Crown Heights, New York. Was it? I did yeah. not know that. And then it was discovered. I'm just reading this now too. <laughs> um, it was just a limited pressing just for the church. No way. Yeah. And Larry found it and I guess reworked it. Yeah. And made it um, into what It was it recorded in 1982 and his, his version uh, in 1985 came out as like a whole 
you know, That's Larry nuts. Levan special. I love that he like found some <laughs> random press and was like, you know what, this will work. I'm going to play these in some gay ass clubs like around the world. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> oh, he God. really brought he brought Larry the church doing into the Lord's the club. work. This is one of his last DJ sets. I just want to play just like the just the, the little beginning of it, just to sort of show how he adapted into house music. This is in 1992, live at Ministry of Sound in London. you all to just go and listen to this whole mix yeah i need a you need to send this one to me actually yeah <laughs> i don't think i've heard this the whole thing is so good yeah this is just a few short months before he passed i mean anyway i'm not gonna get into the whole thing it's an hour long hour and 10 minutes long why won't we play the whole thing <laughs> No, we're going to have like a five hour long episode if that's the case. But yeah, oh, Larry. R.I.P. Larry. R.I.P. Larry. Seriously though, you guys, like um, get into some Larry Levant. This I mean, is part of your history that it you, is. you need to deserve know. to know. Yeah. And and like from, and as I said earlier, as we are in Black History Month, I think it's important uh, to acknowledge uh, the uh, the importance that like that he played in and the creating music in the way in which we consume it now um, because he really is admired as a god amongst men in 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 the dance music community mm-hmm. uh, and most black people don't know it yeah uh, it's it's a shame and that most of these skinny white dudes playing DJing at every fucking festival it. don't know it either yeah and it's it's a shame because it's it's uh it, it's easy to kind of forget that all these sounds, these sounds that we, that America, that the world appreciates nowadays are all black sounds. Mm. Uh, it's also crazy how many people, even black people, think that house music is some white nonsense. It is 100% not white <laughs> nonsense. Because I remember when I first got really into house music, people were like, what are you doing? I'm like, you guys don't, you don't, if you don't get that this is some black ass shit, then like. It's roots us. Uh, and it's, in Africa, and it's like literally like like house music and like what it is, garage music and what it is in its purest form. It's it's just it's black as fuck. It's just it's defiantly so. Mm-hmm. I mean, like it's fused everywhere. Like these vocals, like they are they are so very clearly uh, those ry- those rhythms are African. Yeah, I mean it's 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 not even it's not even up for discussion, kids. Like yeah. just just kids. just get into it. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Anyway, so then you're going to talk about Frankie. Frankie Obviously. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you kind of touched on Frankie uh, in talking about Larry, obviously, because they were very good friends. They came up in the uh, the club scene in New York together. Um, and in general, it, it's it's funny that that they were 
they kind of were best friends, but they kind of, I think, were like opposite sides of a coin that kind of helped build house music into what it was. Mm. You know, Larry obviously took the the held the torch for dance music in New York, where uh, as um, Frankie went and moved to Chicago yeah. and made Chicago house, which is definitively what house music is. Yeah. Um, a thing in the early eighties, late seventies. Um, when did, so he moved, when did he move to Chicago? Well, let's, let's start at the very beginning. It's the best place. It's to the start. best place to start. Um, so Frankie, as I said, born in the Bronx, 1955. He, whilst, uh, I think in the early seventies, uh, obviously he had met, Larry, like uh, when they were young, they were hanging out in a lot of clubs and they met a guy named Robert Williams, um, who was like a, a club promoter kind of dude who put on a lot of parties and nights uh, in New York City. Um, and they he kind of got them plugged into DJing and helped them kind of get into the clubs and things like that. They met, I think they met him at like a show somewhere. And mm-hmm. no, 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 that's a lie. They actually met him <laughs> when they were in juvie. Because he was a juvenile corrections officer. What? Yeah. So they were caught skipping school. And like I think he was like a Wait, true Frankie one. And Frankie Larry. and Larry. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is why, as I said earlier, I am like, I need to make the story of Frankie and Larry into a television show. Mm, it would be like, so good. Just the birth of house music. It's, it'd be badass. I'm going to do it. Mark my words. Mark my words. Um, you heard it here. Yeah. I probably shouldn't have said that because some, somebody's going to like listen to this and be like, that's a good idea. And then I'm a copyright that bitch right now. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna get the tumbler too. <laughs> Anyways, so um, Robert Williams uh, gets them plugged into the clubs after telling them they need to get their shit together because they need to stop trying to be like wannabe gangsters or whatever and running around in these streets. Um, and after a while, I think a couple years later, Robert moves to Chicago. Um, Chicago at the time had a lot of clubs, but he wasn't really feeling any of them. Back in New York, uh, there's a, a dude named David Mancuso, who's like really well known, uh, who kind of like was a, a very big DJ, um, and still, I guess he's not, he's not still anymore, but like through a lot of massive parties, uh, he had like things at, um, I think it was like the gallery. Yeah. The mm. gallery and the loft yeah. or these man, uh, David Mancuso events that were like these members only, like the idea of what an underground like club was like a legal underground club. Uh, that was a David Mancuso party, like in New York city. Um, so that was kind of where Robert was coming from in his appreciation for nightlife and nightclubs in general. Um, so he moves to Chicago. They don't really have that. So he starts working with this crew that um, gets um, uh, that's trying to get things up and popping in in uh, um, in Chicago. Chicago. So they're doing the whole kind of you know juice the bar. <laughs> the, the bears. They're doing like the juice bar uh, all night rave things. I guess the raves weren't even really a thing yet, but yeah. all night party thing, discos. Cause obviously like, like we said, earlier, this is the early seventies. Disco is like reigning supreme yeah. at the time. Well, in Chicago was where the, the disco demolition happened. It is. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, people were not fucking with it at Mm-mm. all. They were over <laughs> it. Now, uh, the scene in Chicago, uh, if we set the stage, this is mid seventies. Um, there was a big uh, 
the big gay disco that opened up in Chicago was called Dugan's Bistro, which opened in 1973. <laughs> Dugan's uh, Bistro. Welcome to Dugan's. <laughs> uh, and uh, there was a DJ there named Lou DeVito, who was like the best, he was voted the best, best regional DJ a bunch of times, but uh, that place, Dugan's Bistro, was well known for like not really letting black people into the club. Mm. Uh, there was not actually cool a lot Dugans. of there was a lot of picketing going on around the time about it because they were like never let they wouldn't let black people in. So there was like a, a coalition of black gays that were just like this is not cool. Uh, but then, as we always do. Uh, we'd started our own shit and made it way hotter. Um, and so, yeah, after around, like right around the mid seventies, all these things, all these like kind of like after hours joints start popping up, uh, in Chicago and Williams who wanted to start, wanted to start his own thing. And, uh, he bought some space, uh, separated with his company that he was with, uh, and was trying to actually get Larry to come out. Mm. Um, again, like he had known both of these guys, Larry, Larry and both Frankie at the time were, were still kind of like making their names in New York, uh, as kind of like disco mixing type DJs. Uh, and in 1977, um, Robbie, not Robbie Williams. <laughs> in 1977, that's probably when Robbie Williams was born, but like in 1977, Robert Williams, uh, opened the warehouse uh and he initially asked larry levon to be his dj um but larry was like nah i got my own shit popping off because that's when he, he was at the started the sound gap not the sound gallery whatever the garage no. the sound garage yeah no he the had Paris a garage the, before no, no, no. that there was the gallery the gallery the he gallery. was at the gallery yeah. yeah so larry was already at the gallery the men's warehouse the men's warehouse <laughs> you're gonna love the way and you look. um Frankie, who was at the time DJing at this place called the Continental Baths, which was just like a big gay like sauna yeah. uh, place. <laughs> big gay sauna it place. It was a, a spooge depository. <laughs> oh, God. That's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> a spooge depository. <laughs> so um, he was, that place was about to get shut down because, <laughs> obviously, yeah. for many reasons, but yeah. uh, they... Uh, um, he convinced Frankie to go out there, uh, and his one condition was that like he had to have Richard Long come out there and put up the sound system and like the lights. Mm. Richard Long is a dude who did uh, the sound for Paradise Garage and also for Studio Fifty Four. Mm. Uh, so he was like, "If I'm coming out here, he was the dude. Shit's got to be popping." Yeah. You know? So it was. Um, funny thing is, oh, actually, let's just start with you know a uh, a. An example of some early Frankie Knuckles make it mixing. Here you go. This is Frankie at the warehouse in, I think, 75. So. That bootleg vibe. Yeah. They also used to play instruments. Yeah, man. The interesting thing is... I'm like such a grandpa. <laughs> that's what you do. <laughs> the interesting thing about, like, some, like... Uh, the differences between, like, Frankie and uh, uh, Larry are that, you know, like... Larry... Uh, Frankie's music was far more disco-oriented uh, and, and really kind of... 
whereas Larry kind of told a lot of stories, like Frankie's sort of power was in the way he mixed things. Right, he was like, more nobody, tempo driven. Right, nobody. He would set a beat and it would never move off of that. He was clean. He was clean as yeah. fuck though, and very precise. And like he could mix so many things together in a way in which like you, if you were to hear this original track by itself, it, it's absolutely unnoticeable. Like mm. uh, he could mix these weird disco classics with like these indie label like kind of soul things and then throw in some rock and some European like synth disco and like all kinds of weird rarities. Um, he became so popular in uh, Chicago um, that, you know, he had all these cassette tapes that were being like just copied and copied and copied and copied and copied everywhere in the city. Um, And where the music in the warehouse became so synonymous with a specific sound with this 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 combination of all these different uh sounds you know the discos the synth pops the the rock occasions the the soul the r&b all these things that he was able to layer uh they'd call like warehouse music but and then it actually didn't i mean they say that the origins of the the term house music came from uh the warehouse. The warehouse. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and people saying, we've got that house sound uh, because it became like the most popular sound in the city mm. uh, and, you know, m- made its way all over the States. Um, so clearly, I think Frankie uh, was a big DJ, uh, but he started, like anyone else did at the time, getting into some production. Uh, and making his own remixes uh, as he was doing that live anyways. Mm. Um, And I wanted to play one of my favorite early um, Frankie Knuckles remixes because it's just really good. And um, it's a song called Let No Man Put Us Under and he is amazing in it. This is 1983. Um, By this time, Larry had... Uh, closed up shop at the warehouse uh, and opened his own spot. Uh, you mean uh, Frankie? Frankie, yep. He opened uh, a place called uh, The Power Plant mm. in 1983, and this song came out that same year. So this this is house music, um, and it's you know still very much earliest, rooted in earliest disco. forms. Uh, this this sound became uh, the the thing to be played in Chicago. Um, it's interesting they were saying I was reading an interview that was talking about like the night <laughs> of the big record burning in Chicago mm-hmm. and how like all these major clubs around the city like overnight just switched into playing country or R&B mm-hmm. and they just all stopped disco and then this kind of sound or rock too. or rock yeah and yeah. this kind of sound moved into the underground uh, and the beautiful thing about like 
places like the warehouse and the power plant when they when they opened um a that these were like entirely like black and latino queer spaces um but as they grew in popularity um they they became far more um it was attracting a wider and straighter audience um but it, it's crazy like when you hear the stories of of people that you know would frequent the warehouse or frequent the power plant and they they talk about just how just everyone was so open and everyone was so uh generally like expressive and, and inviting and were able to really um really like engage with everybody you know like it, the crowd was so mixed like racially ethnically and sexually and like everyone like di from different forms of gender expression all these things like that kind mm. of like that that ability for uh the people to kind of come together in like a really like diverse way which in general like club music and, and discos and, and things like that were whereas like it was very popular and widespread in the 70s like mm. a lot of ways i mean people still just partied with who they whoever looked like them like a lot of the clubs they wouldn't they weren't necessarily segregated but like there were black clubs or latino clubs there were white clubs and like people just did that because like people listened to different music but house music became that thing that everyone loved because everyone recognized something in it that you know was familiar to them uh and it was just such a new sound uh and it, it just attracted everybody and, and, and it's crazy because like uh to be able to to have that kind of in the 70s and in, in places like chicago that are like still to this day unbelievably segregated mm. uh it's rare and it's a beautiful thing and and they were able to 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 have that for a, a long time and in a really intentional way i thought it was really dope um but anyhow so Frankie is doing his thing, DJing. He meets someone uh, who goes by the name of... Oh, sorry, actually, let me stop this. So Frankie opens up the power plant in 83. He also meets uh, someone named Jamie Principal. Jamie Principal is a songwriter um, whom he ended up collaborating with quite a bit. Um, and he uh, released one of his earliest hits um a song called your love mm -hmm. uh, and i'm gonna play that right now big song big ass song this song um was kind of frankie's first foray into producing uh uh this is an entirely original song whereas beforehand he was kind of just doing remixes uh and this is some of his finest work Another long ass intro. <laughs> Always. <laughs> also, this song very famously, same lick from yeah. uh, Animal Collective, My Girls, which mm. is, I remember the first time I heard that song, I was like, oh my god, Frankie! But also was given a completely new life by Candy Staten. Yes, yes, I was, completely forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. When it was basically used as the instrumental for, uh, is it called I Throw My Hands Up? Or sometimes I feel like throwing my hands up in the air. Yeah. I feel like you ha you got to play that. Yeah, I probably should. I probably should. Like. I want to get to the part of the song where there's actual words, <laughs> but we're like, 
I mean, Frankie did basically invent the long intro, so yeah. um, we can chat over a little bit. Um, but yeah, so this song was actually wildly popular um, and really thrust him into the national light. Oh. It's really... I can't let Oh. Oh. <laughs> what? Some kind of arousal is occurring. So, um, definitely check this song out. I, I realize that I probably should have checked the cue on this one a bit earlier, but listen to it a little bit more. Yeah, so mm. that's Hypnotic. your love. It's a good one. Sorry, I just realized I'm playing a lot of that one, but that one's great. Um, so it's easy to fall. And, I mean, it's so hypnotic. Yeah, and a lot of Frankie stuff was hypnotic. Oh yeah, and his long. I mean, oh yeah. I mean, I imagine like his sets. Oh, he was, was well known of, for playing like twelve-hour sets. Like mm. that was just a Frankie Knuckles thing. Like he has very famously done twenty-four-hour long sets. Like. This man like <laughs> loves to play. Uh, he loved to play uh, for as long as he could, uh, and also just like loved to play uh, quality shit and mm. on a good sound system. Uh, just in watching some interviews of his and how dedicated he was to, uh, as he began began production to like working in studios with musicians and with singers, and how his entire sound was like really defined by. Um, by the musicians in which he worked with. Um, mm. And that was a really important thing to him. And the quality of the music was up there. And he wouldn't, he really wouldn't even do a remix for somebody unless he thought that the, the lyrics and the delivery and the arrangement were like perfect. Mm. Just wouldn't do it. Um, but anyhow, I wanted to play a couple, uh, one of his remixes that I like a lot um, because it's the fucking shit. Hey. This is You Can't Hide, the club mix. Just got to tell you 
Yeah, so You Can't Hide was another one that kind of came out near the end of the uh, power plant years as Frankie starts getting into more of his production, <clears throat> excuse me, vibes. I want to go through a few mm-hmm. of some highlights of my favorite Frankie Knuckles tracks. Um, because basically throughout the 90s, eight, the rest of the 80s, I mean, he moves back to New York City in 87. Um, oh, really? And yeah, he, he moved back to New York City in 87 because like house music kind of like fallen off in Chicago by that point in time. Uh, it, it, it was big, but it ended up... Uh, it was, and it continued to be big in New York. It continued to be big in New York. Right. Uh, it just kept moving east, uh, really, because hip-hop became a really and big then thing. all the way <laughs> all across the, way the Atlantic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Anyways, so back to the story. Um, I'm going to run through some Frankie Nungle's hits that came through in his sort of uh, tenure from like the 80s through the 90s up until 2008. Um, And uh, because he he stayed actively busy um, throughout his life. Um, He uh, was a very prolific DJ, obviously uh, a very, very uh, famous uh, producer as well. he developed type 2 diabetes in the early 2000s or mid 2000s actually ended up getting like his foot or like leg Mm. or something like that amputated um and ended up dying in april 2015 uh from uh i believe it was uh, complications from his diabetes um but before then um he he did a lot of shit i mean i mean he worked right up i mean there was a remix that came up came out i think it was posthumously too yeah he had been working with like the defected i believe like yeah he had this curated list of like all of his best i think he was clear that um on the fact that he was going to i think it was kind of like a bowie type situation where he he knew like of his his impending uh death and Mm. really like worked to solidify like how do i want to like actually there's a mix that i'll play uh in a little bit once i get to the end of it but of some of his like select like here this here's how I want to be remembered which I thought was really great but um here's a couple of tracks this is probably one of his most famous songs at the time it's called the whistle song oh yeah absolute classic uh, and it's amazing cuz yeah. this is like i can't imagine like walking into a club and hearing this for the first time i heard this yeah. you know when i was like 21 years old like on my headphones on the bus somewhere and i was like oh this is fun but like on the solid sound system this would blow my mind It's just like just entrancing. A, it's so it really is. It's there's like a euphoric yeah. bit of sweetness. Yeah. Um they here we go. 
the weekend like Frankie died, I feel like everywhere I went, they, they played this. They played this song. And yeah. it's great. There's a crazy story that's talking about like how he used to do his DJ sets and um, obviously like the places like the warehouse or the uh, the garage or whatever mm-hmm. it is, um, they a lot of people were on a lot of drugs. Yeah, <laughs> there. absolutely. And they're smashed in, there's no air conditioning. Um, and he always he uh, Larry like Larry both Larry and Frankie love to play with the environment uh, in their sets um, meaning that they 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 were they felt the importance of having lights and different things like that and a means to build uh, an environment they uh, he very like Frankie very famously one day uh, had a bunch of people at the at the at the warehouse was packed in there and he'd shut off all the lights uh, and open all the door all the windows uh, and then played the sound of rain. Uh, wow. And this is at like four or five o'clock in the morning, turns off all the lights suddenly and cuts all the music. And then all you hear is the sound of rain. And everyone just starts like, you know, I mean, you're obviously really into it as you like open all these giant windows and let all this like cool air into this like suffocated room. Uh, and then very funnily uh, plays the sound of a train coming very quickly and freaked a lot of people out. Um, <laughs> but uh, mm. yeah, I mean, he loved to play with the environment by a means to kind of like enhance the actual experience. And, like that was why people went to the clubs. I think it's weird, especially nowadays, because like nightclubs are so whack, mm-hmm. and people just go there and stand around and like try and look cute and like mob oh or whatever. N- yeah. Um, and to me, like. I, I got ex- exposed to like clubs and club culture and like dance music from a perspective of like you go here to like dance and to be free and, that's, yeah. and to listen to music. This is you're not here to pick. Oh, you can look as schlubby as you want. Oh, too. absolutely. Like, Everybody looks messy as fuck yeah. at the end of it. You know, yeah. you sweat out your hair, yeah. your clothes, everything because you're just there to like dance the fucking your cares away. And it's it's crazy because like nowadays people people go out and they have. They go, Zero, out to stunt. they go out to stunt and it's yeah. like you can do that for free i mean this is that's what instagram there, there is for there, i mean we should say that there are still great parties and absolutely. great clubs um, absolutely you know we mentioned spotlight we mentioned rondo there are places that keep this sort of vision alive mm-hmm. sound um, does a lot of nights uh where they yeah. have a lot of really great djs and, and they, they have actually a badass have a good sound, sound system, system there yeah really good sound system i mean this is in la you this know LA, there's yeah. places all around the all world over the stuff place that, yeah um but there was a, you know, this is the this is like the birth of the nightclub. Mm-hmm. And the way we know, and like, and it, it's it's a shame that like people can't go out and like just have fun anymore. Right. It's like it always it becomes like this production. It's a mess. Uh, because for me, even till this day, anytime I go out, I don't give a fuck who I'm around or who's like I'm not there. I'm not checking for anybody. I'm yeah. there to, just to be with that beat, and that's about it. Uh, and I think that was that's what they wanted to enforce because to them, like you were saying earlier, like that, like that was the club was was their church, yeah, uh, and that was where they needed to go to feel free and to get that kind of Absolutely. spiritual um, moment to have that feeling to have that connected. And the DJs that community. were taste makers. Yeah, they were re- the taste level was high. I mean, 
God bless us all. Like I can't go out to like a gay club now and like listen to a Katy Perry remix. Nope, like that nope. doesn't move me. It doesn't. It never has. It never has. I mean, Katy Perry can write the fuck out of a pop song, but Absolutely. like I'm not. I'm not. Sta- I'm not standing in line and I spending do not need six, to hear like a sixteen dollars on a drink to hear you know Teenage Dream. I'm just not gonna do it. Yeah. Not. Um, okay, let's play a couple other. Um, Frankie tracks. Teenage Dream is a fucking cut. Though. It is. That is a that song has like three choruses. Song. But we can get into like the anatomy of a. We should do an episode on the anatomy of a pro, a good pop song yeah. because I think Teenage Dream is like on location in Sweden. <laughs> location in Sweden. Okay, this one is uh, Where Love Lives. Hey! Oh my God! Oh, I love Big this jam. song. Uh, this was a big jam. A this big is, a, cl- this this is, is a, a classic. This is a classic. You couldn't go to a dance club in the nineties and no, not hear and not, this song. Absolutely. It was also in like a million movies. Yeah. Um, it's it's oh, classic. It makes me want to watch music. Party Girl. <laughs> <laughs> Intro. I know. Sit <laughs> so down about a minute now. Look at that bass line just oh. sneaking in there. And ladies and gentlemen, introducing the bass line. <laughs> I'm just going to go for a little walk here. And who's that coming up next? We have the strings. Oh. Oh no, that's a voice. Massive hit. It's a bona fide club um, anthem. It was uh, Mix Mag named it the number one dance song of all time. What? The Wait one. for real. Yeah. Mix Mag ranked it number one in 100 greatest dance singles of all time. In '96, they said this was it. Uh, it's yeah. I've had it some has great, everything in it. Had I mean, great, it just does. Some great nights out with yeah. this song. <laughs> who hasn't? Who hasn't? You know, I've had some moments. You know who hasn't? Every fucking sweaty bro at Ultra. <laughs> so true. <laughs> I mean, I. I have a singular moment that I remember in my history. Uh, I think I was probably like 20 or something like that. I was in Chicago uh, at this party and I was not feeling it. It was like a rave and I I have weirdness at like 
functions sometimes as a, a weird introvert at times, which people find to be a very bizarre thing, but it's true. Uh, and there were these gigantic speakers, and this song came on, and I was like, well, that's my call to the dance floor. And I sat, and this was like the long edit, which is like probably 12 full black ass minutes long. <laughs> and I sat in front of that speaker the full 12 minutes and then made a smooth exit after that and didn't really hear anything for like about a full 24 hours afterwards because it was loud as fuck in there but uh just, just like a you know like those moments when like you just have a divine appointment with the dance floor mm-hmm. and like there is literally nothing getting in the way of you in that and you don't see anybody else i don't else. see a single other person i was just staring directly into that speaker like it was like my like it was like and my you, and soul you, and you start throwing elbows yeah absolutely don't fucking touch me don't come near me <laughs> don't do me don't try me like you see what see I'm doing? This, you see what's going on? This see space this right space here. Around here. Yeah. This is mine. Yeah. Stay there. Stay in your lane. No. So um that again, massive, massive hit. Um it was it's still everywhere. It's been remixed like a million times probably. Uh it didn't really make an impact on any charts, but it again, like this is underground music. It's not really what it was. Uh and then Shots, schmats. Exactly. Um and shots yeah. are for math teachers that is and for um i don't know optometrists charts are for excel spreadsheets i do love excel i do love i do love to make a spreadsheet <laughs> i'm not gonna lie <laughs> um the music video is also kind of weird you guys should check it out go on youtube and look i didn't at even it. know there was a music oh, video it's, you know it's like janky 90s shit yeah it's really good i want to make some 90s music videos I, oh shit i just realized i didn't play the pressure Sounds oh, like you also didn't play. Oh my god, you got to play I have to that. do a little bit of that. Also, mm. what about um, the Shaka Khan remix? Yes. Yeah. Well, Frankie did. Frankie did a lot of remixes and his, a lot his, of dubs. Like, his stuff. Like, I feel like both Larry and uh, both of them were like very, very well known for their remixes. I yeah. think for a long time they did that. That's still what they they kind of made their biggest name. I mean, they made great tracks no matter what, but this track. Frankie Knuckles did a remix of it and like he came in and like just put the Mac down. Put the Mac down and wasn't like wasn't fucking around. And he wasn't apologizing for it. Never did. Never would. You know the other great thing about Frankie, uh, and something that I think people underestimate is he became a god amongst men as a like a gay black man from the Bronx mm. uh, in a in a way in which I don't think people really understand that's so profound in the 70s and 80s uh, when black DJs and black producers were struggling to get the recognition that they needed in the dance or like they built this dance community because they couldn't get work in white clubs or anything like that right. so they built this sound that came to define the modern landscape and like it's crazy when you like oh my god i'm gonna stop talking i I can't talk over this
Oh no, don't stop it. I'm not. <laughs> He knows how to do a build-up. Yeah, he does. The pressure. The pressure. The pressure. Still, the drop hasn't happened. Nope, still hasn't. What? What? I think. There's something that so many DJs can learn from Frankie today is how important space is. Yeah, take your time. Take your time and let stuff sizzle. And yeah. it doesn't have to be about the drop. Banging it's not all about the drop all the time. It's not about it. It's that it's it's dynamics. It's dynamics. It is. Yeah. It's like you don't have to be. It's not about the turn up at all times. You yeah. know, like that's not what people. That's not how people like connect with the DJ. Yeah. Um. It's in the space. Exactly that. Uh, and he thrived in that space. He built that. I mean, he fucking built the space. Yeah. Like. Um. And don't for, um, it's like a thing that people easily forget about they like do. that's how and there not every song needs to be like 4 minutes. Unfortunately like it's like people always say you know he's really long. It's like he he does make a, a long song. I mean most of his tracks are at minimum 7 minutes. Mm -hmm. But like but like where do you have to be? Yeah, do you are you are you rushing right now? Like are you scrolling through your phone right now? I'm like, sorry, like uh, my excuse the fuck out of me like you have like i'm sorry that you're so busy that you can't sit for seven minutes and listen to this song because you get bored so easily or stand like, up and dance it's crazy because when you have the time like when you have the you take the time the great sorry the thing about house music that i love so much is like in, in its repetitiveness you can you find different spaces in the song to listen to as it starts to build like you you hear everything mm -hmm. you know like i think the a lot of times people like you get a song and there's a lot of shit going on in it and like you don't hear everything because you can't because there's just so much but like the way that a house track usually builds up or, his, or like traditionally builds up you get you, you add one you element. add one element at a time yeah uh and as such like you have this full like symphonic of, like thing that happens uh that like is so special specifically when you got like a badass sound system i always tell people like it's really important, like invest in like a quality, like at least head. If you can't get like a badass stereo system, like save up for some good headphones. And mm -hmm. I'm not talking like fucking Beats headphones. Nope. I mean like some really good headphones. Do your research. It's a thing that uh, if you if you are if you consider yourself like a, like uh, a fan of music, a student of music, uh, you need that. Like just period. You know, like it's you need to listen to music the way it's supposed to be listened to yeah uh, the way that it's mixed properly uh, and you'll you'll be able to kind of like hear that texture of a, of a sound so much better uh that way so go out and do that uh Arr. save some save some coins and and do it um you can get a good pair of like 150 dollars like don't look for a label look for quality yeah beats cost a dollar 75 to make mm-hmm and they're made out of garbage don't fall for it they fall apart they fall apart and they sound like Garbage. Yeah. Um, so, I want to play one more track, and then we should probably play the track, the Shaka one. But this one was yeah. one of his late, his later hits before he died, and I'd be remiss to like not play it because when I heard it the first time, it was like, it was a, it was like, oh man, Frankie's fucking back. 
uh, It's Blind by Hercules and Love Oh Bear. my god. Shit. Yeah. 2008? 2008. Mm. Oh my god. So. This was so a big good. ass hit, too. Uh, featuring Anony. Um, it's just. Mm-hmm. This is a rock solid, like. Giorgio Marordo, uh, yeah. like, esque. <clears throat> fucking. It's Halo Disco. Fucking. The mix. I think Blind 2 is, even in its original format, but especially the Frankie Knuckles remix, is one of the absolute best dance songs of this century. Oh, hands down. Hands down. I mean, it was voted the number one song of 2008, like, yeah. and I stand wow. by that yeah, statement. It's an I mean, it's, song. it is a perfect, perfect dance track. Like, there's not a single bad thing about it. As a child, I knew. That the stars could only get brighter <laughs> That we could get closer <laughs> Like the knees darkness <laughs> Shout out to Kim Ann Foxman and Andy Butler Hell yeah And everyone in Hercules Know me. Yeah, you guys fucking killed it with this one. Hey. This long ass intros. A long ass, I mean. Context of intros. Context of intros. <laughs> beautiful song uh it's emotion exactly i mean if you look into like what the song is about uh it's about you know a, a kid who uh, is gay and, and comes out to his family and like dealing with like uh kind of issues and and and, and resistance and hatred towards them about it it's it's a really beautiful song and in the context in which it's placed in this like really kind of vibrant dance track uh, yeah, it's like that bittersweet thing where, you know, it's like, um, there's so many tracks that kind of evoke that emotion where it's like, I'm dancing my pain away. And mm. this is that song. I think that's kind of where it's power. A, it's a, it's a perfectly composed track, uh, and, and, and solid structure, but just the message of it in general is like, uh, I don't know. I think it's great. Mm. It's one of those songs too, that like, I always, I think about like, Occasionally, I mean, like, you know, you have those moments where you're listening to a song, like, this must have been really fucking fun to record in the studio. Like, I imagine, like, getting in there, like, oh, yeah, I could fucking do this and just, like, rocking this shit out. Like, I don't know. I love yeah. this song. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that Frankie uh, was. I mean, that spanning a gamut of, like, 30 years alone, right there. That, yeah. I mean, like, you know, late 70s, right? Yeah. I mean, and then worked for almost another decade after that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he... It's like a 40-year career. Yeah, he worked, yeah, until the, like, 
the day that he died. Um, he was uh, one of the first DJs to sign a major label deal. He signed with really? Virgin Records in 91. Wow. Uh, so for someone like that, for something to happen like that from the underground is really nuts. He also became the first DJ to win a Grammy in 97. Really? Yeah, he won a remixer of the year. Um, oh, who's the first person to win that? He was. He was. The, yeah. yeah. That's what I said. Uh, yeah, I thought you said who was. I was like, he was. <laughs> um, yeah, he also had uh, his rec- his music production company, Death Mix, that he founded with Judy Weinstein. Um, he, yeah, he he is the godfather of house music. Yeah. He's a godfather of dance. music. I mean, that is his official title. Yeah. really. like he is known as the godfather of house music. There's there's In the no way one that, to there's no one that to James Brown is the godfather of soul. soul yeah, there's no one to. To thank more than 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 Frankie Knuckles for for that. I mean, and and house music has branched off into so many things uh, in the modern sort of like dance music landscape uh, that it's like and, and it's crazy because you'll 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 be at like a deep house or like a an acid house or like just a regular any any sort of dance music night and you hear the influences of Frankie Knuckles throughout it all. Uh, and he was. Can we start a party called Deep House Chakra? <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. I also want to take a moment while we're, while we're talking about this to um, to shout out a friend of mine and just to recognize like the continuation of um, of Frankie and how it is manifesting today. Mm-hmm. Um, Honey DJ Honey Dijon yeah. is. Like one of the greatest living She's DJs so right now. Yeah. She was voted number eleven by um, Mix Mag mm-hmm. as uh, the eleventh best, best DJ, DJ in, in the, the world. world. Yeah, which also like traditionally has very few women on it. Yeah, and pretty much zero trans women. Yeah, um, she's playing at Coachella this year. I'm gonna go see her. Hell yeah, she's a her. master, and she. She's a legend. She's a legend, and she is uh, like a student of Frankie. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I actually have a record coming out with her, which I'm really excited hey. about. And um, that'll be fun. Yeah. So she's she she carries the torch yeah. for sure. I love when people. Um, it, it's funny how it's so evident when people are like a student of their crafts. You know, yeah. a lot of people like to make music, but a lot of people don't like to study it. Um, <laughs> Say that again. And in in studying it, you you understand so much more, and it's far more apparent. Like, the things that separate uh, someone whom is able to, you know, impact culture and, like, move shit forward is someone who is a student of the past and those that came before them. Uh, Mm. And as dance music continues to grow... So true. um, I think that it's important for more people to understand its origins and to get that and to understand... um, just the innovation and like the quality of music like like i said earlier like these dudes were fucking prolific i mean they they did so much work and they have so many mixes and there's so much for people to dig into uh, and there's a lot of people nowadays too that that are able to to, to copy that and emulate that like i mentioned nicholas jar earlier who mm. really kind of took those cues that larry levon uh, set up in the way in which he kind of really liked to to blend together and mm. weave weave music together to tell a, a story rather than just uh, play Playing you know songs. songs all night long. Um, there are uh, like we said disclosure. I mean, I think of people like um, 
Simeon Mobile Disco. Oh yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and and a bunch of other on the more like on the more techie side. side yeah, um, I mean even like totally enormous extinct. Yeah, absolutely uh, totally They they one hundred percent do that. There's so many sounds that that they invented uh, and worked with. I mean, like I mentioned, you know, like Animal Collective earlier. Um, there are so many. They they influenced not just dance music, but electronic music and and and, and music in, in general and we wouldn't have the current sort of electro heavy musical landscape that we have nowadays without those dudes like hands down they changed mm. it um and it's about high fucking time they get the, the recognition they they deserve um because yeah. right up there with the all the other greats that i think we we like to um appreciate and, and speak about um they need to they i think they deserve that recognition absolutely too. uh and it's a shame that they don't have it um yeah but you know frankie has his like frankie knuckles day in chicago that yeah. Barack obama helped push through absolutely uh, yeah which is great thanks uh, barry um one of the other reasons the many many reasons to love a barry obama and i miss him so much <sighs> fucking don't Just, i don't i really do anyways um yeah, so I want to. We close out the the talking. I hope about that we two. just haven't been on like such a high horse for like an hour and, and a half or whatever. Yeah. But I think we just really wanted to drive home like how I love house uh, music. How like, much we love these two. Yeah, and I do. How much respect we, have we want them. them to have. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, for me, I like I said earlier, we're talking about black ass music this month. Uh, and I think it's easy for people to like celebrate, you know, like the Ray Charleses and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Aretha no, Franklins visible. and the visible kind of pop stars. They yeah. were pop stars. Like yeah. these dudes existed in the underground. I mean, they, they weren't what, what like mainstream would deem was okay. You know, they were gay as fuck and openly gay about it yeah. and black as fuck as well. And they, they weren't pretty. And they were open they about that too. Yeah. They and, were open about being black. Yeah. And they were <laughs> very open about being black. <laughs> hey guys, a little known surprise. I'm actually, I'm actually a Negro. But yeah, um, they were huge. In, um, it's, it's great to shout out the people that influenced people that yeah. then influenced people that influenced other people, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, like I said, Got a fucking Larry LeVan tattoo. Clearly, I'm a fan girl. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I mean, yeah. So all that to say, this was essentially just a 90 minute long plus uh, uh, plea for you to listen to these two. <laughs> <laughs> so baggy. <laughs> like, really please. Are. Come on, guys. Give them a chance. Fellas. Fellas. <laughs> Sorry. Oh wait, you got to play the Shaka Khan remix. Oh yeah. Sorry. Let's do that. Shaka Not Khan only because remix. "Ain't Nobody" by Rufus and Shaka Khan is. Maybe the best song of all time. Yeah. I decided to spare you guys. The four minute long introduction to this song.
Yeah, I mean, like I said, Frankie has like all of the remixes on lock. I mean, he's got great remixes from Michael. Oh my uh, god! First choice Walk with you. Chic, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Crystal Waters, Lisa Stanfield. I mean, it goes on and on. He was he was a man. Um, but yeah, so that's that's Frankie Knuckles and Larry Levon, guys. Yes. Um, so yeah. Um, again, thank you again for listening to us talk for so long. Yeah. Um, Rate, subscribe, tell your mom. Yeah. Hopefully, um, maybe by the time. I mean, I'm gonna go ahead and speak this into existence. This, by we're the gonna, time we're on iTunes, we're gonna right be on now. iTunes now. Yeah, exactly. And so it is. And so it is. You know, I think I think that's the way to do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, there is uh, so much that we were getting we're getting into this month that I'm really excited about talking yeah. about. So, if you want to send any like corrections, complaints, yeah. um, or suggestions praise, for suggestions for uh, Black Pioneers to talk about, and like. Like little known ones, like like be inventive. Like don't say like let's talk about Gladys Knight and the Pips. Like yeah. come on now, anybody can read that Wikipedia page. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, again, thank you so much. Oh, also, this is a song that I wanted to play for the outro because you can't play a fucking you can't talk about house music and not play this song because I like to think that it's about Frankie and also about Larry. Mm. sound at gmail.com yeah and jack had a groove and from this groove came the groove of all grooves and one day while viciously going down on his box jack boldly declared let there be house and house music was born i am you see the creator of this is my house and in my house there's only house music but I'm not so selfish because once you enter my house, it becomes our house and our house music. And you see, no one man owns house music. The house music is a universal language spoken and understood by all. Yes, reverend. <laughs> to your the vibe of house. House is an uncontrollable feeling to jack your body. House. <laughs> And in this house, 
was a keeper. And in this house, Jack. This is a hard ass <laughs> Who is Jack? And what is it that Jack does? Jack is the one that gives you the power to check your body. Jack is the one that gives you the power to do the snake. Jack is the one to the king, to the little wiggly worm. Jack is the one who wants you out. I have no idea what this is about, but it's so great. So all jackets together in one house. You may be black, you may be white, you may be Jew or Gentile. It doesn't make a difference in our house. And this is our house. Amen. Boom. Have a good week, y'all. Later. <laughs> <laughs>